It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ellie De La Cruz and the Reds lineup show up big as the Reds gain the game on that final wild card spot Tuesday night. I'll tell you how they did it and the opportunity in front of them on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan that has turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk some Reds with you. Uh, Locked On Reds is, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day and thank you for making us your first listen every single day if you're an everydayer appreciate you make sure you hit us up in the comment section let us know let us know how you felt about ellie's dominant performance which we will get into here in just a moment there were there was a couple of guys that were really showing out on tuesday night in cleveland to get the reds a win we'll look at the lineup and its successes we'll talk about hunter green and his failure, but the bullpen picking him up. And an interesting thing, Chris Welsh said a very interesting idea of how to evaluate a pitcher. We're going to apply that to Hunter Green later on in today's show. And we'll look at the opportunity that the Reds have, the advantage that the Reds have, should they win tonight on the wild card race. Thank you so much for joining me here on Locked On Reds. Uh, Steve's not with me today. He'll be back here in a few days, but it's just you and me talking Reds here today. And it was a good win. We said the Reds have five games. The Reds need to win all five games if they want to make it into the wild card. I, I really don't know that there's a path to the wild card if they lose one more game. And that's a heck of a lot of pressure. That's definitely not an enviable situation to be in, but that's where they are. And they acknowledge that you saw it on red socials. You saw it on the broadcast and things like that. They said, we just got to go one and O today. We got to wake up. We got to go one and O today. We can't do anything about yesterday. Can't do anything about tomorrow. All we can do is today. Got to win today. And boy, did they, this was a game that early on, I wasn't really sure about. They, uh, the the Guardians were hitting the ball all over the yard. You saw plenty from their lineup that really has been their weakness all season long. This has not been a good year for Cleveland. They're typically all over the playoff race. They've been out of it for a while. But they were scoring at will, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But the Reds were scoring with them, and it was let off. By Ellie De La Cruz, his first multi-homer game of his career, and it was a beauty. He had two homers. He also had a single as well. He came around to score after hitting that single. It was a single, and he advanced on the throw in. I thought it was a double, but I think the official score in Cleveland was just not used to Ellie and his speed because whatever. Anyway. Ended up being a three-hit day for him. Very good day at the plate. And he is a guy that I think here recently has started to kind of refocus himself a little bit. I'm not saying that the one game means that he's back, but it was a great game to watch. And there were a couple of reasons that I was super excited. I mean, obviously, two home runs, that's going to get you excited. The second home run was the hardest-hit ball 
in Reds StatCast history. Now, StatCast has only been around since 2015, so there's quite a few years where we don't know what the hardest hit ball was. But since 2015, when StatCast became a thing, no Red has hit one harder than Ellie De La Cruz hit last night, 119.2 miles an hour off the bat. K rushed into right field at Progressive Field in Cleveland, and that was off of a changeup. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was his first home run was off of a changeup. His second home run, that that 119 mile an hour one, that was off of a curveball. That's right. Not a fastball to be seen. Now, his single that he hit for his uh, second hit of the game, that was off a fastball. But hitting off speed, hitting the breaking stuff, nice to see. Nice to see. Needs some more of that. But all in all, just a fantastic. And he looked focused in the field. Plenty of chances there. Sam Maul especially was giving him plenty of chances. Lots of ground balls in this game for the Reds' bullpen. And Ellie... Didn't bat an eye. Didn't bat an eyelash in any one of them. He was ready for each and every one of them. You know, we, we've talked a lot here recently about, yeah, there's some weird errors, maybe a lack of focus or something like that. Not on Tuesday night. Ellie looking good in the field. And if it weren't for a multi-homer game from Ellie, we might be talking about the game MVP being Luke Maley. That's right. Luke Maley became the first catcher in Reds history since Johnny Bench. Okay. If you can be anybody, the first since Johnny Bench to do anything, that means you did something good. That's what Luke Maley did. First since 1978 to hit, Johnny Bench in 1978, to homer, get three RBIs, and steal a base. The first Reds catcher since Johnny Bench to do that all in one game. Homer, three RBIs, and steal a base. I couldn't believe when he stole the base, too, because, I mean, he wasn't being held on by the pitcher, uh, and I, I believe it was Eli Morgan for the for the Indi- or for the Guardians. Oh, see, I slipped up and said it. Uh, but I believe it was Eli Morgan, and he wasn't holding him on. But even when you watch the replay of the throw, it didn't look like if the throw was on target, it was going to get him out. It was a little bit to the right, a little bit off, no chance to get him stolen base for Luke Maley. But... That was an impressive steal by Luke Maley, his second of the season. Then you look at CES. He hit a big two-run homer, which really flipped the game. So the the Guardians took the lead early off a three-run homer, but then the Reds clawed their way back very quickly, and CES on a two-run homer took the lead back for the Reds at 4-3. to That's his third straight game hitting a home run, and sixth of his last eight games have included the long ball. CES is starting to come around into that cleanup hitter that we know he can be. And not to be outdone, this lineup absolutely pushing the Reds forward to this win on Tuesday night. TJ Friedel, fourth straight game with a homer for him. He's only two away. He's got 18 home runs right now. He's two away from a 2020 season. We just continue to pile on the different things that it comes to TJ Friedel of, man, didn't see that coming. And if you thought T.J. Friedel was ever going to have a 2020 season, how about that? You're going to like that. Love to see the way that the lineup played Tuesday night just dominate. I mean, they dominated Indian or Guardians pitching. I said it again. Anybody anybody missing uh, Lucas Giolito? Yeah, that's who the Reds faced on Tuesday night. Remember, you know, we wanted him at the trade deadline. I wanted him at the trade deadline. 
Uh, we won him at the trade deadline, and then the waiver wire Armageddon day where the Reds got Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro, and neither one of those guys are on the team now. We were hoping they could pick up Lucas Giolito. The Guardians picked him up instead. Lucas Giolito got destroyed by the Reds lineup. It was great to see. And that was a much needed. Like I said, you can't lose. You, you can't lose the rest of the way. The lineup knew it. The lineup did everything. There was no mercy from this lineup in that game. You know, the bats had to be good, though, because Hunter Green was not. Coming up, we recap a bad night on the mound for Hunter and look at an interesting evaluation uh, thanks to something that Chris Welsh said on the broadcast. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about Nutrafol. Have you or someone you know said recently, you're losing your hair? I got a solution. That's Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, your visible thickness of hair, and the visible scalp coverage by your hair. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning by promoting whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after just six months of taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Taking the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter the promo code Locked on MLB. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter the promo code Locked on MLB. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code Locked on MLB. Remember, if you cannot be up at Progressive Field tonight, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds. And if you would like to support the show, join me on subtext. Just text GoReds to 513-597-0944. You'll get a 14-day free trial of being able to text me questions. I will text you insights, different things. Throughout the game, we were texting some different stats and things like that. A lot of um, different things that I'll talk about on the show. I'll kind of text early to our subtexters. And you'll get the ability to uh, be first in line for our Q&A shows. When when Steve and I bring back the Aloha Fridays, subtexters will get first dibs. Like I said, get a 14-day free trial by texting GoReds to 513-597-0944. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. Every day is coming up on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. We're going to recap a start by Andrew Abbott and see exactly what we will be watching for on Thursday as uh, the Reds fans will be the only ones to kick back. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but we'll be uh, kicking back and watching the wild card race unfold before us and seeing how the Reds fare. Tuesday night talked about how awesome the lineup was. Hunter Green was not. And the lineup had to be awesome because of Hunter Green, because he allowed all seven runs that the Guardians scored and he didn't even I mean he he started the fourth inning but he didn't even record an out 
in the fourth inning. Three innings, seven earned runs. Now, the seventh run was actually allowed by Sam Maul, but since, you know, Hunter Green allowed the base runner, it gets charged to him. But he was already 70 pitches in, and he hadn't recorded an out in the fourth inning. It's not good. He, he was just all over the place. When he was in the zone, he was getting destroyed. Those pitches, the some of the homers, like I, I, Andres Jimenez, who homered off of Hunter Green, the, the ball that he hit, was so loud, reminding me of our, our, our clip of Noel Vimarte down in double A, but so loud the contact was off of Hunter Green's pitches. And it's not like the Guardians are, you know, big time with the hitting. In, in fact, just one quick look will show you Cleveland's dead last in the major leagues in home runs this year. They hit three off of Hunter Green. Dead last, Major League Baseball. They hit three off our man. And uh, none of them were from Jose Ramirez. That's the dude that you're worried about. So, with that, bullpen had to pick it up. And the bullpen did what the bullpen did. They pitched well. Now, like I said, Sam Mall entered. There were runners on first and second with nobody out. He gets Steve Kwan to ground out. But the way that it worked, it was basically a bunt. Because he hit the ball dead into the ground. Didn't go anywhere. Only play they could do was pick it up and throw it to first. So you had runners on second and third and Jose Ramirez coming up to the plate. David Bell did the smart thing. I do this every time. I do it 100% of the time. Never would question this. He walked Jose Ramirez. He he held up four fingers to the umpire and he said, send him on down to first. We ain't pitching to him. But then the next dude, Josh Naylor, gets a pitch that's like low and in, fights it off his hands, a little bloop in the shallow left field, no man's land, and the Guardians score a run off that. And so there's your inherited run that Maul allows, gets charged on to Hunter Green for his seventh earned run of the game. But after that, Sam Maul shut it down. After that moment, the next five outs that he recorded, no Guardians touched the base. No Guardians got on base. In fact, in the uh, fifth inning, when he came back for the fifth inning, we're thinking, man, what's he got here? Because we, we we talk about this a lot. David Bell bringing out relievers for the second inning, not all that, not always that great. Sam Mall got three quick ground outs, like right now, like like so fast. He made quick work of that fifth inning, and at that point, because the Reds did a lot of damage there in the fifth inning, and they're the top half of the fifth, and you're like, okay, how will we respond? Is this going to be just a a give and take of, you know, we punch, they punch back sort of thing. Sam Moss shut it down. And from then on, the bullpen shut it down. From that point, really since Sam Moss allowed the the seventh run to score, the Guardians didn't have, they had one base runner. Alexis Diaz had a walk in the ninth. That was it. It's absolutely beautiful. And Sam Maul, the, the the shutdown performance that he had is just more of what we've seen ever since the Reds traded for him. He was really the Reds' only trade deadline acquisition. But since coming over to the Reds, he has 23 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has allowed two earned runs. That ERA is pretty good. And I know we don't love to talk about relief pitchers, ERAs, and things like that. But when you only allow two earned runs in 23 and two-thirds innings, 
I like that. I like that a lot. And you got 21 strikeouts to nine walks so far in those 23 and two thirds innings. Love to see the walks come down, but still, you know, good, good, uh, good pitching from Sam Mall from the left side of the plate. Then after he throws two innings, Fernando Cruz comes in, pitches two more perfect innings, and he had a couple of strikeouts in there as well. Fernando Cruz is an interesting dude because every time he's going to come out of the bullpen, you're going to see them throw up that number, the ERA, onto the screen, and you're going to think you know who he is, and you're going to be dead wrong because Fernando Cruz has been one of the best pitchers in this bullpen. And it's funny because last year he was a late late season call up and you're thinking what are we going to get out of this guy is he going to audition is he going to be a big part of the future for this team who knows he's a late career call up didn't really get into the majors until last year when he had been through the minors and through independent leagues and Mexican leagues and all this different stuff and you're like what what do we got well here's what we got since june since the calendar's turned to june up through now He's pitched in 45 games, 49 in a third innings in those 45 games. And he has 76 strikeouts in 49 in a third innings, just 20 walks. Still love to see the walks come down a little bit, but get this opponents are batting 164 against Fernando Cruz and his fastball forkball combination. The forkball, you know, he, just pushes the baseball in between his fingers, basically to the point if if the normal person tries to throw a forkball, it's it's not going to feel very comfortable. These guys got to, like, find their comfort zone with it. Fernando Cruz has a beautiful, beautiful pitch. When, when that thing is working, nobody touches him. And it's been working for the most part since the beginning of June. He's just been a fantastic pitcher. And then Lucas Sims and Alexis Diaz shut down the final two innings. And like I said, only the one base runner Alexis Diaz allowed as a walk. Uh, and, and they shut down the game. The Reds were able to play add-on late with some insurance runs, which was great because, you know, we were talking about it all throughout the game. It was just like, all right, you got to have more than one run lead, more than a two-run lead. The way that the Reds have been pitching here recently, you need a big thing here. And the Reds were able to work around that. The bullpen was magnanimous, absolutely amazing, fantastic, all of the accolades above, and the reason why the Reds won. But back to Green for a moment, because Chris Welsh said this interesting thing during the during the game, and he said he was he was talking with a buddy of his that's still uh, working as a coach in the game, and he said, you know, to really evaluate a pitcher, because a pitcher – if they throw 30 starts, you take out their five best and their five worst starts, then you really know who that pitcher is. What do they have in between there? Because you're going to have these games where everything works, and then you're going to have these games where nothing works. And it's not fair to evaluate and think you know a guy one way or the other. Like, as much as we love that seven-inning start that Hunter Green had his time before this last one, where he had 14 strikeouts of the Twins. As much as we want to say that's who he is, we know that it's not necessarily always going to be that good. But when it's not perfect, how good is he? So I kind of I took this this idea from Chris Welsh, and I applied it to Hunter Green. Now, he's only made 21 starts, so I kind of amended it a little bit. So we're talking about I took out the four 
best starts of this season, and I took out the four worst starts of this season and evaluated those 13 games. So under that criteria, the 13 games that Hunter has pitched in the middle, you know, not the outliers, good or bad, the, 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 what, whatever statisticians call that the, the most likely outcome when it comes to Hunter green, 3.69 ERA. He's only allowed eight total homers in 68 and a third innings pitched in these 13 games. Plus he has 85 strikeouts. Hunter green is good, right? We, we, we like to see these bad starts. And I think it happens more so for pitchers than for any other position group in baseball. But when they have a bad game, we like to think, man, that's just another one of those games. He, he failed again. Boy, oh boy. He's, he's just awful. Why on earth? And, 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 and the things that people, you know, they, they also, they go into contracts and things like that. And they're just like, why did the reds give Hunter green this contract? Because he's good. 13 starts 68 and a third innings pitched 85 strikeouts, eight home runs allowed 3.69 ERA three. Whenever your ERA starts with the number three, you're a good pitcher. Hunter Green's a good pitcher. He just had a bad day. And, hey, his team picked him up. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes a player has a bad day, and the rest of the team has to pick him up, and they did. And that was good. But, you know, as the Reds won last night, hopefully they have a chance to win here tonight, the opportunity really opens up if they get this win. I'll tell you why coming up next. Before we do, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is Jace Medical. You know, modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Like, uh, you know, things like pandemics, natural disasters, and, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment that you need. Jace Medical is your solution. You, they, they have this thing called the Jace case, and it comes with very essential antibiotics that when you go through this, this whole process of, you know, screening because they have board certified physicians that kind of screen you, you fill out this form, uh, they will determine whether medications are safe and appropriate to send to you. And in addition, you'll be able to send your physician a message for answers to treatment related questions at any time. Whenever you sign up with Jace medical, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That is why Jace offers this uh, Jace case. And like I said, there's, there's five life-saving antibiotics in the Jace case for emergency use. That way you don't have to just hope that you're ready in case of emergency. You can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code locked on at checkout. Just go to jacemedical.com. Again, that's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. Remember, if you cannot be at Progressive Field tonight, 6 10 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, then you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. You can follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time watching, thank you so much. Make sure you drop a thought down in our comment section. We love talking Reds. 
Plus, we've also got a community on Discord for you. If you click the link down in our description right now, you can join the Lockdown Reds Discord chat. Lots of great folks talking Reds baseball all day, every day in there. Uh, just click that link in the, in the description. All right. Reds won and the Cubs lost. The Cubs were up by six on the Braves. In fact, I might take a little bit of measure of, uh, you know, measure of thanks for this uh, credit. Take some credit. I tweeted out whenever the, the Cubs were up six, nothing in the fifth inning on the Braves. Yeah. Team that should easily beat the Cubs team that beats everybody. Um, I tweeted out and just like, Hey, thanks to the Braves for laying an egg. Yep. I got him. Braves came back and won that game. So the Reds gain a game on the final wild card spot after the Cubs blow a six, nothing lead. I, I love that. Now I was hoping for the diamondbacks to also lose because early on in that game, the white Sox took a three, nothing lead. And then I think the Diamondbacks won something like 20 to 5. White Sox pitching did what it's done all year and blew up. And the Marlins were rained out. So they play a doubleheader today. Um, Cubs also play today. Diamondbacks playing today. In fact, when you look at the remaining schedule, this is where I think the Reds have the advantage. Not because I'm comparing, like, you know, strength of opponents and all this other stuff. The Reds have an off day. The Reds are off on Thursday. None of the other teams have an off day the rest of the way. Of course, the rest of the way is less than a week because Sunday's the last day of the regular season. Cannot believe we're already here to that point. Feels like opening day was yesterday. But the Reds Reds have one off day. The other teams don't. Marlins have to play a doubleheader today. And and I was I kind of had Thursday circled anyway because Thursday is the day because the Marlins have this weird like half game on the Reds right now. That's where their schedule lines up with the Reds is on Thursday, and everybody else they're they're playing out the rest of this week. So I think that's where the Reds get this advantage because think about this. Yes, Shane Bieber is on the mound for the Guardians, and Shane Bieber's a really stinking good pitcher. Andrew Abbott's on the mound for the Reds, and he's really kind of been on a downslope here recently so far as his performances go. But if the Reds can win this game, get a win today, it's going to feel like winning two games because they get the win tonight. We're really hoping that the Mets can be just a thorn in the Marlins' side. Imagine if the Mets take these two games here today against the Marlins and the Reds win. They'll flip flop over because they're uh i think they're a game behind the marlins um but they'll they'll flip over the marlins and then the marlins have to play again on thursday you got the cubs playing you got the diamondbacks playing reds really have an opportunity here to almost feel like they get two wins for the price of one if they win tonight I'm looking for Andrew Abbott. He's going to go out there hopefully pitch I, I i need we need five innings just five innings I don't I don't want him to feel like he's got to go six or seven or eight or whatever. Give the Reds five innings and three runs or less. And that'll be a successful start from Andrew Abbott. That's not even a quality start. But five innings, three runs or less. He's got to be good, though, because Shane Bieber's freaking good. And I know he's had a little bit of a roller coaster season, but I don't expect the Reds are going to go out there and do what they did to Lucas Giolito. Uh, to, to Shane Bieber. 
Shane Bieber's a much better pitcher than Lucas Giolito is, regardless of what that ERA number says. Again, that number, it feels like some people look at that number and they think that that's the end-all, be-all, and it's not. There's there's plenty of other things about Shane Bieber that have said that he's been a good pitcher for a long time. So to expect him to roll over like Giolito did yesterday, not a good idea. But I, I really think this is a good, good chance for the Reds. Just get this win, and you're looking good for the rest of the weekend. And they got three against the Cardinals, and I know that you know, Steve and I have been talking about this this Cardinals series. It's three games. It's in St. Louis. The, the Cardinals actually just announced yesterday that Adam Wainwright's done for the year. We're not going to see him in that series, which is a little bit of a bummer because, you know, wanted to see Joey Homer again. And before you say anything, Joey always homers off of Adam Wainwright. Always happens. But I, I really think the Reds can do this. This 11-7 to win has me feeling pretty excited. I I understand it's a little bit of recency bias, but I think that gives them confidence moving into these final four games. Four games of the regular season remain for your Cincinnati Reds. Other teams are playing, you know, five and six games. So there's a shot here. There is a shot for the Reds, and I think they have that gives them a slight advantage as we move toward the final day of the regular season. That'll be uh, how we end today's podcast. Before we get out of here, remember, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds. But that'll wrap up this edition for Lockdown Reds. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Make sure you're following the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and you've got that bell clicked to be notified whenever we go live with more more in, info and content and all that great stuff. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. Follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. And join our Locked On Reds Discord page as well. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we'll be talking all about Andrew Rabbit and the goings-on of the game as we look forward to an interesting off day on Thursday. And later on this week, I believe we're having JD from Locked On Cardinals uh, stop by and talk about this Cardinals Red series. We'll see about all of that and more. So make sure you check us out because we will be locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 